Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Books with Dr. D. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and uh, good night to wherever you are in the world. Uh, to another episode of, uh, of, of Talking Books. Um, today's a rather special episode, uh, my friends. Um, it's, it's dedicated to a really dear friend of mine. Um, I'm doing this because over the past year or so, she's become deeply cynical, disbelieving, nihilistic almost. Her love for books is unparalleled, but she refuses to believe that. I hope that today's episode will make her love books again and what books stand for. I'm going to be reading out from, presumably, I think, one of her favorite authors, Roald Dahl. I don't know if you have this book, but I had to dig deep into my dusty bookshelves <laughs> to get this one out. Here we go. Roald Dahl. Revolting Rhymes. Illustrated by the one and only Quentin Blake. This one's for you, eh? Cinderella. I guess you think you know this story. You don't. The real one's much more gory. The phony one, the one you know, was cooked up years and years ago and made to sound all soft and sappy just to keep the children happy. Mind you, they got the first bit right. The bit where, in the dead of night, the ugly sisters, jewels and all, departed for the palace ball, while darling little Cinderella was locked up in a slimy cellar, where rats, who wanted things to eat, began to nibble at her feet. She bellowed, Help! And let me out! The magic fairy heard her shout, appearing in a blaze of light. She said, My dear, are you all right? All right, cried Cindy. Can't you see I feel as rotten as can be? She beat her fist against the wall and shouted, Get me to the ball. There is a disco at the palace. The rest have gone and I am so jealous. I want a dress, I want a coach and earrings and a diamond brooch and silver slippers, two of those and lovely nylon pantyhose. Done up like that, I'll guarantee the handsome prince will fall for me. <laughs> the fairy said, hang on a tick. She gave her wand a mighty flick and quickly in no time at all, Cindy was at the palace ball. It made the ugly sisters wince to see her dancing with the prince. She held him very tight and pressed herself against his manly chest. The prince himself was turned to pulp. All he could do was gasp and gulp. Then midnight struck, she shouted, Heck, I've got to run to save my neck. The prince cried, no, alas, alack, 
He grabbed her dress to hold her back. As Cindy shouted, Let me go! The dress was ripped from head to toe. She ran out in her underwear and lost one slipper on the stair. The prince was on it like a dart. He pressed it to his pounding heart. The girl this slipper fits, he cried. Tomorrow morn shall be my bride. I'll visit every house in town until I've tracked the maiden down. Then rather carelessly, I fear, he placed it on a crate of beer. At once, one of the ugly sisters, the one whose face was blotched with blisters, sneaked up and grabbed the dainty shoe and quickly flushed it down the loo. Then in its place, she calmly put the slipper from her own left foot. Aha, you see, the plot grows thicker and Cindy's luck starts looking sicker. Next day, the prince went charging down to knock on all the doors in town. In every house, the tension grew. Who was the owner of the shoe? The shoe was long and very wide. A normal foot got lost inside. Also, it smelled a wee bit icky. The owner's feet were hot and sticky. Thousands of eager people came to try it on, but all in vain. Now came the ugly sister's go. One tried it on. The prince screamed, No! But she screamed, Yes, it fits! Whoopee! So now you've got to marry me. The prince went white from ear to ear. He muttered, Let me out of here. Oh, no, you don't. You made a vow. There's no way you can back out now. Off with her head, the prince roared back. They chopped it off with one big whack. This pleased the prince. He smiled and said, She's prettier <laughs> without her head. Then up came sister number two, who yelled, Now I will try the shoe. Try this instead, the prince yelled back. He swung his trusty sword and smack! Her head went crashing to the ground. It bounced a bit and rolled around. In the kitchen peeling spuds, Cinderella heard the thuds of bouncing heads upon the floor and poked her own head round the door. What's all the racket? Cindy cried. Mind your own biz, the prince replied. Poor Cindy's heart was torn to shreds. My prince, she thought, he chops off heads. How could I marry anyone who does that sort of thing for fun? The prince cried, who's this dirty slut? Off with her nut. Off with her nut. Just then, all in a blaze of light, the magic fairy hove in sight. Her magic wand went swoosh and swish. Cindy, she cried, come make a wish. Wish anything and have no doubt that I will make it come about. Cindy answered, O kind fairy, this time I shall be more wary. No more princes, no more money. I have had my taste of honey. I'm wishing for a decent man. They're hard to find. Do you think you can? Within a minute, Cinderella was married to a lovely feller, a simple jam maker by trade who sold good homemade marmalade. Their house was filled with smiles and laughter and they lived happily ever after.
That was Cinderella. Roald Dahl style. I'm going to do another for you. Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack's mother said, We're stony broke. Go out and find some wealthy bloke who'll buy our cow. Just say she's sound and worth at least a hundred pound. But don't you dare let him know that that she's an old. She's as old as Billy O. Jack led the old brown cow away and came back later in the day and said, Oh, Mumsy dear, guess what? Your clever little boy has got. I got, I really don't know how, a super trade-in for our, our cow. The mother said, You little creep. I'll bet you sold her much too cheap. When Jack produced one lousy bean, his startled mother, turning green, leapt high up in the air and cried, I'm absolutely stupefied. You crazy boy. Do you really mean you sold our daisy for a bean? She snatched the bean. She yelled, you chump, and flung it on the rubbish dump. Then summoning up all her power, she beat the boy for half an hour. Using, and nothing could be meaner, the handle of a vacuum cleaner. At 10 p.m. or thereabout, the little bean began to sprout. By morning, it had grown so tall, you couldn't see the top at all. Young Jack cried, Mom, admit it now. It's better than a rotten cow. The mother said, you lunatic, where are the beans that I can pick? There's not one bean. It's bare as bear. No, no, cried Jack. You look up there. Look very high and you'll behold each single leaf is solid gold. By gollikins, the boy was right. Now glistening in the morning light, the mother actually perceives a mass of lovely golden leaves. She yells out aloud, My sainted souls, I'll sell the mini, buy a rose. Don't stand and stand and gape, you little clot. Get up there quick and grab the lot. Jack was nimble. Jack was keen. He scrambled up the mighty bean. Up, up he went without a stop. But just as he was near the top, a ghastly, frightening thing occurred. Not far above his head, he heard a big, deep voice, a rumbling thing that made the very heavens ring. It shouted loud. Fee, five, four, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Jack was frightened. Jack was quick. And down he climbed in half a tick. Oh, mum, he gasped. Believe you me, there's something nasty up our tree. I saw him, mum. My gizzard froze. A giant with a clever nose. A clever nose? His mother hissed. He must be going round the twist. He smelled me out. I swear it, mum. He said he smelled an Englishman. The mother said, And well he might. I've told you every single night to take a bath because you smell. But would you do it? Would you hell? You even make your mother shrink because of your unholy stink. Jack answered, Well, if you're so clean, 
Why don't you climb the crazy being? The mother cried, By God, I will. There's life within the old dog still. She hitched her skirts above her knee and disappeared right up the tree. Now would the giant smell his mum? Jack listened for the fee-fo-fum. He gazed aloft. He wondered when the dreaded words would come and then, from somewhere high above the ground, there came a frightful crunching sound. He heard the giant mutter twice, By gosh, that tasted very nice. Although, and this is in grumpy tones, I wish there weren't so many bones. By Christopher, Jack cried. By gum, the giant's eaten up my mum. He smelled her out. She's in his belly. I had a hunch that she was smelly. Jack stood there, gazing longingly upon the huge and golden tree. He murmured softly, Golly gosh, I guess I'll have to take a wash. If I'm going to climb this tree without the giant smelling me, in fact, a bath's my only hope. He rushed indoors and grabbed the soap. He scrubbed his body everywhere. He even washed and rinsed his hair. He did his teeth, he blew his nose and went out smelling like a rose. Once more, he climbed the mighty bean. The giant sat there, gross and obscene, muttering through his vicious teeth while Jack sat tensely just beneath, muttering loud, Fee-fi-fo-fum, right now I can't smell anyone. Jack waited till the giant slept. Then out along the bough, he crept and gathered so much gold, I swear, he was an instant millionaire. <laughs> a bath, he said, does seem to pay. I'm going to have one every day. Jack and the Beanstalk by Roald Dahl from his book, Revolting Rhymes, illustrated beautifully by Quinton Blake. I hope you like that. Thank you very much for listening. Good night, good evening, good afternoon, and good morning wherever you are.